Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. With everything going on, we need to let the Bible speak to us in our soul and emotions. Join us as we take a look at what the Bible has to say about being emotionally healthy. Enjoy this week's message. So good to see all of you, to worship with you this morning. Um, There's something about the manifest presence of God when we gather when we exalt Jesus, when we worship him, and uh, it's just, you guys look awesome. You look so beautiful today. And I also wanna welcome all of you that are online, that are part of the Milestone Church family. And I know there's, there's reasons. I know some of you um, that have shared those with me. Maybe you have a child that's immune compromised. You're an elderly person. We want you to know we love you. You're part of our family. And we're praying that we can all gather again uh, in the future, but right now we know and uh, that you're there and you're part of this service and we're glad. We also have several of you that are new online and we wanna welcome you. So maybe you've just tuned in and there's several of you that have joined us throughout this process and we hope you feel the authenticity, the love and the sincerity uh, that that comes through as well. And so we're all here together and we're studying this time right now, something that I think is so important we're talking about how to be emotionally healthy. As we started walking through this season over the last several weeks, leading into this series, I began to have pastoral concerns. I'm a pastor, I'm not just a speaker. Um, my, my job description from God is to equip you, to equip you to be who God's called you to be, and I I'm always concerned when I sense that you're walking through some things and you don't have the equipment that you need and not that I'm the solution, but I try to take you to the word of God to give you more reinforcement because I get mad when the devil wins in your life because he doesn't have to. You can have the equipment to walk through and to face every single thing that comes your way and we're all facing something unique together right now with all the things in our world. And so I just began to just in my prayer time for you and I've been praying for you just, just to realize that everyone's talking about all the physical aspects and those are important. And everyone's talking about all the financial aspects and those are important. But, but the pastor has something to say. Because I'm concerned for your spiritual well-being, your emotional well-being. That's important because actually, if you really study the Bible, God's more concerned about that because that is what influences all the other things in your lives. And so I just began to think, is our church, is the people listening and people tuning in, are are you emotionally healthy? And that's just a way of saying that we are physical beings living a spiritual experience. We have a soul, we have a spiritual part to who we are. So how's your soul doing? How's the real you doing? How's the inner part of you doing? And so I wanna talk to you and continue that series because I have a suspicion, uh, I interact with a lot of people on a weekly basis and talking with folks and even my own experience, like we don't feel so good. We, we kind of just don't feel good. You're like, well, I feel pretty good. Well, yeah, we just had worship, so you feel great. But I mean, I'm talking about Monday. It's like, I had, and you kind of feel like you're kind of getting some traction and then, you know, then you like look and you've, I don't know if, has anyone said besides me, man, you're like, how did we get here? Like, we're living a crazy time. Have you said that? This is a crazy time. So with that added emotion, all the things going on, we don't feel so good. 
And there's a problem with that. Obviously, the Bible teaches us how to put our feelings in subjection to and subject our feelings to the authority of the word of God. The Bible teaches us that, but the reason our emotions and our soul part is important, it influences our decisions. In fact, I I don't know if a lot of you have thought, man, what are people gonna get like on a rational basis? Well, you can't have rational thoughts when your emotions are dominating your thinking. You have to start by getting your spirit aligned with God that allows you to start thinking God's thoughts. So I wanna talk to you about your emotions. I wanna talk to you about how you feel. We just kinda don't feel good, and so when we don't feel good, we don't act good. And do you know habits? Psychologists tell us it takes about 21 days to develop a habit. And yet in 90 days, a habit that you've developed becomes part of your lifestyle. I submit to you, friends, that there's some things about the last over now 100 days of our lives that we have developed maybe some good habits. You're like, I spent a little more time with my family. I have developed some workout habits. Some of you have worked out more. Others of us have eaten more. Come on now, you know what I'm saying? My kids got like, like FaceTime cooking classes going on. I'm like, you guys gotta quit cooking all this stuff because brother don't need to eat all that stuff you're cooking. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? So it's like we've developed some good habits and some bad habits and the real prioritization of the lifestyle of a follower of Jesus, the pastor's concern. Let's not give up the habits of practicing our faith. Let's not give up the habits of the anchor things that make us healthy on the inside of us. So we've been talking about some of those. And I wanna introduce you to one this week that I think is one that a lot of people maybe have a little bit of concept of, but you may not know the biblical truth. And I wanna talk to you about one that can really help you in emotional stability and emotional health and a habit and a way of seeing your world that I think is really important. Now, I will say this, I have never been more thankful that we have not just built a mob of people, but we've built a spiritual family because spiritual families make it through crisis together. We're not just a big, I mean, we're finding ways to work together, to serve one another, overcome the obstacles, work through whatever we can, and I'm so thankful for that. I got a little letter that reminded me of that, you know. Uh, I, got, I, get, I get letters, I only read the encouraging ones. And I got one this week and my assistant gave it to me and said, Madison Pastor wants you to know this. And so Madison sent me a little letter and she did a little artwork with it too, which really made me laugh. So Madison said, be encouraged, Pastor. Preach the word, Pastor. And she drew me. And I mean, this thing is like almost life-size. I couldn't bring it out here because I didn't want to mess it up. But she drew a big old picture and she's got me with the Bible and I'm a little pocket square up on there and just preach, pastor, preach, you know. And In her letter, she said, we've been coming about a year and I don't know where you are, Madison. You may be listening, you may be in the service, but God love you. And where's she at? Hey, come on, Madison. There she is. Come on. Madison. Madison said that in the letter, she said this, She said, we found spiritual family. My brother, it's the first time we went to a church. I guess that's Luke sitting there beside you. And she said, for the first time, my brother felt at home at church. And so they've been growing together. And here's what I wanna tell you. By the way, great artistic work, Madison. 
you know, we, this is what we believe also at Milestone. You don't have to wait till you're old to be great. Way to go, Madison. You're great. Awesome. Now, now, Madison, I need to appeal to some of your artistic ability. You need to do a little, a little cosmetic work on your pastor. I mean, that's a big chin. I mean, that's like a chinchilla. That's chinchilla hanging off your pastor. You know what I'm saying? Put a little nip on him. You know what I'm saying? Put a little tuck. Make him look a little better. Anyway. Spiritual family makes it through crisis. Spiritual family works together, walks together, and walks through every single challenge together in a powerful way. I'm gonna ask you if you have your Bibles to turn with me to two fundamental anchor passages in the New Testament, right? In the Bible. Let's go back to the Bible. We've never needed the Word of God more than right now. I mean, I appreciate all the ideas and voices and people, but I wanna go back to what is God doing? What is God saying? What is God prioritizing? And I want you to turn with me to Colossians chapter one. We're gonna look at a verse there. I'm gonna ask you to also turn to 2 Corinthians chapter five, and I wanna give you a foundational impartation to how emotionally healthy people think about their world. And I wanna give it to you right here in this fundamental passage. You may have had this thought, what's God doing? Like, where's God? Like, what's God doing right now? What's on God's mind? What's on God's heart? God's doing the same thing that he's always been doing with us as human beings. Says here, this is a, a great descriptor of what God's desires are and God's intentions are. This is a solution from God for what, is emotionally taxing to us. It says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. It's talking about Jesus. All of who God is dwell in Jesus. And it says this, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. If you mark in your Bibles, underline that word reconcile. You might not understand the fact that the word reconcile can influence you emotionally how you look at your world, how you look at your relationships, how you look at what you care about the most. God is a reconciler. He's reconciling to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace, by making peace, how? Through all of the different dialogues and people's ideologies and understandings, no, he makes peace I wanna, I wanna, again, get us back to the Bible. It comes through his blood shed on the cross. I'm gonna tell you what I'm pumped up about in today's world. I'm pumped up about the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of crucifixion that took our pain, our suffering, our sin, and the fact that we are enemies of God. He took it to that cross, and he paid the price, and he rose from the dead. I'm still pumped about that. Let's elevate the cross in today's culture. Let's elevate Jesus. Let's elevate what God's desires are. It's the cross and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And it has to do with this word reconcile. And some of you are like, I don't know why that would help me emotionally. I think that's just like some kind of Christian story or some kind of thing people wear around their neck. No, it's huge. It's huge. The word reconcile means to restore to friendship. It's to bring harmony Harmony and agreement. When you walk into an atmosphere that has friendship, 
harmony and agreement, you want to stay there. You want to be in that atmosphere where there's friendship, harmony, and agreement because God's a reconciler. He can bring that to your family, to your relationships, to your friendships, to your workplace, to your community. He can bring it because that's his desire. Now you say, why does this affect me emotionally? Because if that's what God wants to do in us and through us and what his agenda is in the earth, when we don't experience that, it messes with us in the way God's hardwired us. COVID has not changed who we are as human beings created in the image of God. It has not created, it has not changed how God made us, how he intrinsically wired us, and it has not changed the desires that we have for God to reconcile in our own hearts and in our world. So we have that hunger for it. Some of you, again, have it more than others. Some of you are accountants. You don't, that number, that number's not in its place. Ah, that number bothers me. How many of you hate dirty dishes in the sink? Come on, raise your hands. You can't sleep if they're in the sink, if they're dirty. I was in college with like three or four roommates. I played rugby at Baylor. They were rugby players. We were like, man, I mean, our, it was a zoo, right? We lived in there. Our parents gave us a set of dishes. Our grandparents gave us a set of dishes. And so we just ate off of everybody's set. We didn't care what design was on them. We were looking for functionality. So we were cooking up mac and cheese, spaghetti, whatever a guy could figure out how to cook warming up leftover stuff that we robbed from our parents' house. We'd get up in there and we'd just have us a big old meal and we'd eat off the main plate. Then we'd eat off the medium-sized plate. Then we'd eat off the saucers that the coffee cups go on. Then we'd eat out of the coffee cups and we'd just work through all the dishes and you could make it like 50 days, you know what I'm saying? And you just leave them piled up in there in the kitchen and there was biological experiments growing in there and the smell wasn't really great, but we slept just fine. It's a zoo and I don't care, you know? And then what we did, this is true story, we took them to the car wash and washed them. It's a good, fu- good functional way, you know what I'm saying? Just wash them at the car wash. Humorous as it is, like dirty dishes, things out of place, problems, when it's, un- there's so many unreconciled things in our world, we don't feel good. We don't feel good. It's like, I don't, I don't know what to do. There's so many things. And so you have a couple of choices. You have a couple of choices to totally move toward the fact that nothing has any hope, that there's no way for anything in our world to work. There's no way. You have a couple of choices to move that direction toward greater level of dysfunction and try to solve your unreconciled, because we will try to solve it. You know, the brain is not just a massive tissue. It's an organ that is influenced by chemicals and things like cortisol and dopamine. And the reason we don't feel good is we're looking for that feeling in an unreconciled world. And so what we've done is we've doubled down on buying new and shiny. And I buy the new shiny and I feel good for a minute, but then I don't feel good. I find another outlet. That's why addiction is at an all-time high. That's why depression is at an all-time high. Anxiety is at an all-time high because we're looking for something to get that chemical going in us so we feel better. But I'm going to tell you there's another option. Jesus Christ, the reconciler, 
Jesus Christ the reconciler. And as long as you continue to move toward solving it in your flesh, solving it with your intellect, solving it with what you think is the solution, you will continue to break things around you that you care about. And you'll always have a tension in your soul. But when you move Jesus' direction, you move toward reconciliation, which brings me to my other passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. By the way, the Bible, (laughs) the Bible, it's a book of reconciliation. It starts with the first human beings who walked with their God in unbroken fellowship. There was no tension between them and their God. Adam walked with him in the cool of the day. He fellowshiped with him. He heard his voice, and yet sin came in. Sin is the breakdown. Sin, the equal opportunity distributor of brokenness broke it down. What happened right after sin? Brother kills brother. Families are in pain. Not many years after that moment, absolute broken dysfunction throughout. And yet God, the reconciler, keeps appealing to the heart of man. Over and over, I don't have time to show you all the instances, but throughout the Old Testament, can I call all the people of God back to the desires of God? When they got overindulged in themselves, when they worshiped idols other than worshiping God, when they made the wrong thing the goal, when they moved outside of God's plan and desire, they gravitated away from God and brokenness ensued. But when the people of God said, we're coming back to you as our God, we're celebrating you as our God, we worship you and none other, you are the true and living God, Peace, harmony, friendship, harmony and agreement begins to begin to be pervasive throughout their cultures. So I'm calling the people of God back to their God. Your God is not the lake, it's not the wake boat, it's not your outdoor kitchen. Your God is a God who created you and made you. Nothing wrong with that. Some of you are like, okay, am I in trouble? I made a new kitchen. No, I want to bring me over for some grilling. That's cool when we can. It's all good. There's nothing wrong with the blessing of God, but when you worship the blessing of God over the God of the blessing, you don't feel good. You don't feel God. You don't feel who made you. You don't don't have that experience in your soul. Jesus shows up. Jesus, the ultimate reconciler, going to broken people, going to people on the margins, going to people that were different in his day, reaching across, stepping out, reaching out to the people no one else said. He continued to be a reconciler. But I want you to know this. He didn't do it just through a philosophical ideology. He did it by showing them how to come back to the God who made them. He did it by appealing to their hearts and their souls. I love the story of the prodigal son. It's one of my favorite ones to talk about. Why? Because we feel it around that. I have for 18 years, I think I've missed two Discovery 101s. I did it recently, just, just, just right now, in the middle of all of this. I, it was amazing. We had several people saved. And most of the time in the room, when I see people feel the heart of God for reconciliations, when I talk about a boy who goes to his dad, a young man, and he basically would have spit in his face and slapped him in the face and said, give me my inheritance, and he wanders off into loose living, and he goes away from God's desire. It's a story that Jesus told in Luke. There's three stories that illustrate the same thing. 
And I always ask people, have you been that person? Have you been that person who you knew God wanted your heart, you knew God wanted you, but you intentionally, knowing God was drawing you, walked away from the God who loves you? Have you been that person? And everybody in the room goes, yeah, that's me. I've been that person. But even more painful when you talk about reconciliation is that I say, how many of you have that person in your life? That person who you can see is headed the wrong direction, walking away from the heart of God, out here in what the Bible calls loose living separated, and oh, how your heart pains. And if it's a kid that you love, it pains you deeply. I think about the last event that I went to in our old building behind Taco Casa. I did a 101 and there was a man who came to me at the end. He fell into my arms with tears in his eyes. He was weeping and I said, what's going on? He said, my daughter was away from God. I was away from God. He realized that him not being reconciled with God was influencing the people that he loved the most and he got his heart and right life with God and he got it right and then all of a sudden his daughter comes back home to Jesus and his daughter and he had a reconciliation moment and he just fell in my arms just weeping and I wept with him. I started crying with him because when you feel the pain of unreconciled people, man, it's a real deal and there's no greater celebration on earth as when a relationship with God, a relationship with other people, when it, that's so sweet and so powerful and so supernatural. Paul's talking about it. You talk about a guy who was creating anti-God relationships and scenarios, the apostle Paul, killing Christians, and he met Jesus on a road, and he had his life changed, and now he speaks to us, 2 Corinthians chapter five. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We don't see people in the way that we categorize them. By the way, I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna give everybody just a little gut check pastorally here. You have the potential to see someone else in a wrong light. You have a potential to see their motives wrong, their perspective wrong, because unless you know them and walk with them, you can look at them through a lens that's not how God sees them. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation that has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. He reconciled us to Jesus. He restored our soul. And now I wanna give you a marching order. I wanna give you something you can do right now. I wanna give you something to do outside of just being frustrated. I wanna give you a job. And the reason I can give you the job is I'm not the one that assigned it to you. The word of God assigned it to you. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You've been put in the ministry. It's not about where you get your paycheck or where your office is or what your business card says. Now some of you, you you're not right with Jesus and I'm gonna give you an opportunity to, to get right with Jesus. But I wanna appeal for a minute to the blood-bought saints of the living God who are followers of Jesus and wanna be biblical followers. You are in the ministry. You're in the ministry of reconciling broken humanity back to their God. So I wanna ask you this question. The way you're talking to people, the way you're relating to people, what you're liking, what you're posting, what you're doing, is it in line with that job description. 
Because God wants us to be carriers, carriers to your extended family, carriers to your neighbors around you that are so inundated with divisive. There's a spirit of divisiveness in our culture that wants us all to just take on the strategy of the enemy to see each other in some light of a worldly viewpoint that we have categorized somebody in, but those who are followers of Jesus are ministers of reconciliation. Your neighbors, they may have a different political flag outside their house, reconcile them to God. They may be different than you. Here's a newsflash, people are different than you. Reconcile. Reconcile. Be a reconciler of that angry person at Walmart. Be a reconciler. Be a reconciler of people that look different than you, that come from different back down, backgrounds. Be a reconciler of people from different ethnicities. Be a reconciler. Why? You've been given the ministry of reconciliation, so does the tone of your speech, does the attitude of your heart, does the life that you live, is it bringing people to a greater level of unity, friendship, and harmony, and agreement or creating more division. I'm just preaching the Bible, everybody. Y'all okay with that? If you're not, I'm still gonna do it. <laughs> what God was reconciling the world to, himself and Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He's committed that to us. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, this is the apostle Paul speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we beg you, we beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, okay? Now we gotta get practical because we just have a few more moments together and you're like, okay, I've been given a task. I kinda need to know how I should think about it. I kinda need to know how to do it. So I'm gonna give you three real quick ways you can engage with this. How do you need to think about it? How do you look at it? And by the way, you guys may think as a pastor, my main job, thank you for Madison encouraging me to preach the word, but as a pastor, I don't just study the word and preach the word, I have to live the word. You say, what have you been doing, Pastor Jeff, through all of this? Working at promoting God's agenda in the earth for reconciliation. From my own house to my own team, a spirit of division. A spirit, okay, wait a minute. From people in our church from different groups and pockets and people and gathering people and talking and listening and trying to be some message here of reconciliation between all of us together. Do you know if we're not careful in our desire for all of these things, actually the greatest threat to our world today is that we will actually gravitate to worlds with people just like us and not be the family of God that comes together and works together and walks together because that's gonna take some real understanding and some real growth and some real stepping out of ourselves and getting out of ourselves. So that starts with this. You go, how do we become reconcilers? Well, the first thing is we have to be reconciled to God. We live in a world that says it's all about you. We live in the most personalized world in the history of humanity. I had a friend of mine the other day, he started talking about salad dressing. I don't know if his wife said, pick up this salad dressing. He started talking about salad dressing and describing the salad dressing and then he got on his feed and what did he have on his feed? Salad dressing, that's scary, but people in marketing worlds understand how to feed you more of what'll isolate you. More, more of what will cause you to think more about yourself and yourself alone and not someone else. 
The message of this book is not, it's not about you. The message of this book is you need to carry the message of what he has on his heart and what he wants to distribute into the earth. So what will change our world? Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Jesus Christ who is the one who brings healing to our souls in that while we are enemies of God, all of us, we've been made right with our God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So you cannot offer reconciliation until you've first been a reconciled person. You, you can't in any situation or scenario, which we're all gonna get opportunities. You're like, Jeff, are you talking about like the world's problems? No, I'm talking about the problems at your house. I mean, right now, major, major, number one prayer request we get, marriage issues, I'm talking as a pastor to you, Many, many marriages struggling. We've all had it happen. The friends are like, what happened to the so-and-so? What happened to them? What happened? They separated. They divorced. And I'm not bringing any condemnation. I'm telling you, it's the enemy strategy. And what is always posted on it? Irreconcilable differences. Irreconcilable differences. You're going to have it in relationships with children. You know, you have these little creatures, these little kids. I remember when mine were little, a lot of babies being born right now around our staff team, and my wife's just, you know, she's getting her baby fixed because we ain't having no more. You know what I'm saying? It ain't happening. <laughs> Man, you have that little baby and you think, oh my gosh, I finally have all these little human beings who will love me. And they have demons. <laughs> and they by nature reject you, and they by nature do everything opposite of what you want them to do because they have that sin nature that needs to be reconciled. And you're like, oh man, I don't know, I want them to accept me, but they have to be reconciled to God and you're there to be the voice to help them learn how to be reconciled to God and let them know it's not about them. Then you have teenagers, come on, they get opinions. And then they have all the solutions to the world. And you're gonna have to have a moment if you're a reconciler where you sit with them and they say, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. And you didn't do this. And you're like, yeah, but I fed your honey and I changed your diaper. And you want to get defensive. Come on now. And they one day get on out down the road and they come back and say, oh my God, thank you for everything you did for me. I mean, I was a jerk. We're praying for it. Come on, any parents of teenagers out there know what I'm talking about. Thank you for what you did. <laughs> You gotta learn how to be a reconciler. People at your office, people at your job, people in your neighborhood. That means you've gotta absorb some things. That means you've gotta offer some things. You have to have a demeanor to say, this is my job. This is my job to be a reconciler, but you can't be a reconciler. And the sad thing is we have so many voices in our culture that are telling us how to fix our world that are not reconciled to God. We need to hear from those who are reconciled to God, that are right with God, that have Jesus' agenda in the earth. So many people today, I've had so many people give me this, say, man, we just need more education, we just need more information. I like what C.S. Lewis said, education without the right values, as useful as it is, seems rather to make man a more clever devil. I have education, appreciate education, but information and education alone doesn't reconcile people. It's a heart that's been transformed by the power of God. Second thing is be reconciled to God in your season. 
if I'm transparent with you, I didn't think it would last this long. Patience is not one of my greatest virtues. Anybody struggle with what I do? I'll whip through a gas station. You know, I'm kind of like, okay, this will be over in a few weeks. Unfortunately, when God's working reconciliation and things in our heart, and he's teaching us these deep truths and he's showing us how to be emotionally healthy, it usually takes longer than we want it to. By the way, we can carry this beyond the season. When God gets ready to do something in you, it's usually uncomfortable. You can't always see the way forward. And he goes, hey, I want to deposit this in you. We always look back and go, he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If we're the people of God, with the heart of God, with the agenda of God, with the purpose of God, with the word of God, we always win. We always come out on the God side of it because God's moving his kingdom forward in the earth. But the truth is, it always is a process that we have to kind of get reconciled. And all I'm going to encourage some of you that are struggling emotionally, this helped me. Okay, Lord, it's taking a little longer. How do I cooperate with you? How do I get, how do I get on your page? You may say, that's so simple, Pastor. Forgive me. It was big for me. Lord, how do I, how do I help with what you want to do? in the earth, reconcile to your season. I've touched it a little bit, but the third one that's so big, be reconciled to God with others. Be reconciled to God with others. You're like, what do you practically do? As I said, it's coming, strife is coming to things you care about. It's coming to you if it hasn't already made it there. So you got a choice, accentuate it. And the Bible says that in fact, God, that it does not work the plan of God or the wisdom of God to participate in strife. God abhors it. By the way, it's an abomination, he who, who spreads strife among the brethren, according to Proverbs. So strife is coming to your house. Unity is the heart of God. Reconciliation is the heart of God. Unity and unifying under the banner of God to spread that is God's heart. So it's coming to your house. Now, I understand that being practical, there are certain people that are toxic that you've, you, don't, don't, don't label someone as toxic if you hadn't tried yet, if you've never had a conversation. If you haven't had a conversation in humility, then don't just label that because I've found in years of working with people, most people, you can win your brother, you can win your sister if you'll have a posture of humility. But if you have a posture of pride, you're never gonna win. If you have a posture of you need to and you need to and you need to, you're never gonna win relationships. But if you come in humility in relationships with others, then you can win a lot of them. However, there are some toxic people that you have to build boundaries with. I'm not here saying go into abusive, toxic situations, but I am saying the majority of the issues you're having with your teenager, with your child, with your friends, with your sister, with your brother, with people that you've loved for a long time, you have to risk it, and that's the hard part. You have to risk it and put yourself out there and say, hey, I wanna talk with you, let's, let's talk. You have to step out and receive some things that you probably have done that didn't know that you did and you probably received some things that you get credit for that you did not do. Anybody lived in relationship longer than two weeks? I'm gonna tell you, something has happened in this time where we actually think God cares about things and certain agendas, things more than he cares about the relationship with people and so you might be right and wrong if you're not having the heart of God to reconcile. So we can carry that into relationships. I love to show it to you when I see it. 
I love to just show it to you. That's why we have the Milestone Life blog. What about that testimony with those elderly people at the senior center? Doesn't that warm your heart when you look at it and you think, yes, yes, more of that. Let's serve one another. Let's love one another. Amazing. I love this story. The Kovac family, their marriage was absolutely over. Multiple factors why. They were at the end of their rope. Andy actually had put the money down to pay the attorney for them to get a divorce. And they ran into some people from Milestone Church who said, God can do the impossible. He can reconcile. Will you let God into the situation? They said, they didn't even believe it could work. But they said, look, just because you're our friends, then we're just gonna, we're gonna take a chance on it. And they started coming to church, coming to the grow track, to restore, to different things that we have here as ways to help you learn how to reconcile. And over the process, get this now, remember, talking about emotional health, being reconciled to God gave them the ability to be reconciled to one another. Because they got right with God in their hearts and their lives and began to grow in him and began to reflect the character and nature of God, now an entire family is transformed by the power of God because they did it God's way. And I want you to take what I'm saying today and put it into wherever it is in your world that you're struggling emotionally because there's unreconciled things and begin to operate according to God's system and watch God do miracles. Watch God show up and do what only he can do. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me. There's some of you here, you're not reconciled with God. I don't wanna use a big theological Bible word. Let me just use this word. You're not right with God. You're not in the right place with God. You know you're not. You've tried all kinds of other things and you've tried to to, to look to other sources, and you're just not right with God. And everything around you has brokenness because you're not in a right place with him. Can I encourage you just to say, Jesus, I know I have willfully chosen to do the opposite of what you've asked of me, and I have made mistakes and I have sinned, but I wanna be right with you. And if you'll just make it your words and say, Jesus, I know you died for me, you're alive today, you rose from the dead. I wanna receive you today as my personal Lord and Savior. I accept you today. Come and change my life. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask everyone just to keep their heads bowed. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know. If you're online, we have people there ready to serve you. We have resources to send you, tell you about some steps that you can take. But I wanna pray for a second group now. I wanna pray for people who say, I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna submit to his lordship. I wanna follow his word. I wanna be a biblical follower of Jesus. Then I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to go beyond my words. When you say to us in your word that you've given us the ministry of reconciliation and we're reconciled to you, Lord, where we're unreconciled in our hearts toward your heart, change us. We repent of it, we change. God, where we have dethroned you to make other things our focus than you, Lord, we center you back into our lives. Sweep across our environments. Bring us into a place where we make you the ultimate authority in our lives. Lord, bring an impartation. I pray right now for a release, ascending of every person listening to me under the sound of my voice 
that they are carriers. They are carriers of the message of the cross of Jesus Christ and your resurrection. And Lord, we are carriers of reconciliation. I pray where there's broken marriages, where there's broken relationships with kids, where there's broken friendships, where there's broken things on teams, where there's broken things between people of different races, where there's broken things, wherever it's broken, we want to carry the message of hope, the message of life. Lord, do the impossible, just like we saw in this marriage. Do it in our very lives, and we take up the mandate to be carriers of this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out by texting us at 817-406-7470. Our team would love to pray with you and help in any way that we can. If you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.